Thanks for checking out the Christian Life Austin podcast. If this is your first time listening, make sure to check us out at clcaustin.com for more info on how you can connect with us. We trust that you will enjoy today's message. Thank you for listening. It's my privilege to be here, and I hope today that somebody in this building will just open yourself up to receive what God has got for you. Because you know God's got something for every one of them, even me. Every one of us in this building, God's got something special. The Bible teaches us that God is a God that likes to exceed His abundance. You know the things that bless you? The thing that blesses God is exceeding His abundance. In other words, the very best day that you've ever had in your life is because of the blessing of God. But now God wants to exceed that day because that's what blesses him is to exceed his abundance in your life. And so don't ever think, well, but I'm so blessed that God doesn't have anything else. Oh, yes, he does. You can't exhaust the goodness of God. Amen. Let's look to the word of God. Hebrews chapter number 11, verses number 26 and 27. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in heaven. For he had respect under the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. You know, Moses went through amazing things. And when you look at it, you say, man, I'd like to have that kind of power. In this one verse, in this one phrase, is the secret of his motivation. As seeing him who is invisible. You know, God is. God is. He always has been, and he always will be. And I love the verse that said, in him there's no variableness, no shadow of turning, no changeableness. He is the same God all the time, which means that God doesn't have moods. And so you're not trying to change the mood of God. Prayer is not an onslaught against God to change his mind. Prayer is simply laying hand on the willingness of God because our God is always willing to bless you. He's a good God all the time. Those of us that have been children and most of us in this building have been children at some time in our life. You remember your parents? You remember they had different moods? And when you wanted things from them, you always waited until they got in the right frame of mind, the right mood. If you wanted an allowance, you got a little older, and you wanted to borrow the car, you waited until things were going just right, and that's when. But with God, He's not a moody God. He's the same all the time. And so we think, well, if a certain person can sing or a certain person can preach and we can make God a certain way, then we're going to get a miracle in our life. That's not true. God is the same all the time. God is always on on. He's always constant. He's always good. He's always ever present. He's here today. He's a healing God all the time. He's a saving God all the time. And so the ball is always in our court. It's whether we will avail ourselves to the attributes of God. And so when we talk about seeing him who is invisible, this is actually an amplification of the biblical definition of faith, which is faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Seeing him who is invisible. 
Years ago, I was preaching in a great church in Fort Worth, Texas. It was an amazing church back in the 70s, and I preached there regularly. I'd preach there for weeks at a time, and they had a great music director. I never knew him to be a prophet or a terribly spiritual man, but he was an amazing pianist, amazing music director, and one night when I was preaching, he fell off the piano bench, just fell off the piano bench, and just laid there, and I went over and looked at him, and he showed no signs of coming to, so I left him alone. And I went back to preaching, and after a while he got up, and he stopped everything we were doing. And he said, the Lord literally slay me in the spirit. And he said, he opened my eyes. And he said, you people have no idea what's going on in this building. He said, there are angels. They're about 10 feet tall, and they're walking up and down these aisles, and they're ministering to people. And so they're actually trying to get people to lift their hands. He said, if your eyes could open to see the kingdom of God that is in this building, you would be amazed. And so, ladies and gentlemen, God is ever-present. He is here right now in this building. And if our eyes would open to see the possibility, every one of us would leave here intact with every need that we have met. Because God has what you need. God's not searching for an answer. God's not trying to assemble things. God has what you need, and he has it right now. Witness with me for just a moment a man in the wilderness of Midian. His name was Moses. He never intended to come to the wilderness. He had been reared in the palace of Pharaoh, and that's where he intended to live. But he was a Hebrew. And in manhood, he became concerned about his Hebrew brethren who were slaves in the land. His mother had literally imprinted on his mind the power of God, the image of God, until that's the way he thought. Her, her name literally means the glory of Jehovah. That was Moses' mother, the glory of Jehovah. She put that in his mind. And so he became concerned about the Hebrew brethren and their slavery and the bondage and the mistreatment. And one day he came upon an Egyptian and he was mistreating one of his Hebrew slaves, one of Moses' kinfolks, and he became enraged. And when he became enraged, he intervened and killed the Egyptian with his bare hands. As a result of that, Moses had to run for his life. He had to flee the palace. He ran east to the land of Midian. And for 40 years, he lived there. He married there. He raised a family there. He worked with his flocks. But he maintained his faith. He kept on believing that there was meaning and purpose to his life. He kept on believing that God had a real goal for him to accomplish. How did he do that? How did he remain faithful and hopeful? The same way we will. He could see him who was invisible. If you're just living for God because of fear, because of duty, because of coercion, you won't do a very good job. But if you get that image of the invisible God and you realize that he's always there, he's always watching you, he always sees you, he hears every word you see, he sees every action you take, it's going to motivate you. In this, we see this to him who is invisible. We see the greatest goal in the world is endurance. You know, starting is always wonderful. But there are so many churches that start up, but they don't end up like this church. This church has been here a while. It don't end up like our church in San Antonio. I've been there 41 years doing the same thing. You know, I found out in churches and preachers particular, it's not necessarily the big attacks that take them out. You know what takes them out? The dailiness of it. Just every day. The key word of the book of Acts is daily. And daily they went to prayer. And daily went to the temple. And so time takes them out. They can't endure. They start well, but they can't endure. People ask me all the time, so how do you build a church of thousands of people? How do you do that? I say, it's very easy. First thing is you marry Becky Fender. That's what you do. 
And the second thing is, you stay there 41 years and you'll have a great church. That's all you got to do. And so if you can marry Becky Fender and you can stay there 41 years, you're going to have a heck of a church. I promise you that. But it's called endurance. You just endure. It doesn't matter what happens. Good times, bad. Storms, sunshine, it doesn't matter. You endure. And so Moses could endure. There are a number of first and greatest in this text. The greatest refusal. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You know what that would be like? It would be like being, being refused to be called the son of Carlos Slim. You don't even know who Carlos Slim is, do you? How many people know who Carlos Slim is? Hey, that's good. You need to know these things. You need to know these things because it will affect you. Carlos Slim is a Mexican. He lives in Mexico and he's the richest man in the world. I had an opportunity to meet him and I didn't do that. A lady called me on a deal, a business deal, and she said, if you will come to this meeting, which I didn't go in Florida, she said, you will have a 20-minute meeting with Carlos Slim. And I didn't go. I should have went to that meeting, but I didn't go. But that's what he did. He refused to be called the son of Carlos Slim, the richest man in the world. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He also made the greatest choice. He chose to become a child of God. He chose rather than to be Pharaoh's son, he chose to endure whatever came upon the children of God. He said, that's all right, because I want to be a child of God. It was the greatest act of esteeming. He esteemed that it was a greater honor to be a child of God than it was to be Pharaoh's son. He said they're Pharaoh's grandson. This is amazing. He made this choice, the greatest recompense of reward. I talked to somebody a while ago in the foyer between service and we was talking about something. I said, the mistake that people make is they sacrifice their future for their present. I'm very good at looking ahead. How this is this going to affect me? Years ago, I had a pastor friend. He and I started our church at a similar time. We had about three or 400 in our churches. This is 30 years ago. And this guy was just making, he was just spending money on suits and cars and every dime he had. And he would laugh at me because I was investing money in real estate, in ranches, in farms, in cattle, in horses, in things that multiplied and made me money. And I told him that day, I said, one of these days, you and I are going to be in a different place. Today, he is absolutely broke. And I ain't broke no more because I looked ahead to the future. Are you looking to your future or are you living for today? Well, Moses looked ahead to his future and he understood the recompense and reward. He said, if I choose to be a child of God rather than a son of Pharaoh's daughter, my reward is not only going to be big, it's going to be eternal. It doesn't matter how good it is if it don't last long. But the things of God last forever and ever and ever and ever. You know, back 40 years ago, 40 years ago, Becky Fender, my wife, was, was uh, doing a lot of music. And she had in Dallas, Texas, on the Christian radio stations in Dallas, the top five songs. Three of those were hers in Dallas, Texas. She filled with no other act, just her. She filled an arena. We sold it out, 10,000 seats. This would have been in about 1981 or so in there. And so it was big. And so we went back to San Antonio, and we had three or 400 people, and we sat down. And we said, all right, what are we going to do? You're either going to have a music career or we're going to be pastors. We got to make a choice. And you know what I said? I had a little input in this. I said, 
Nobody wants an old music director. Nobody wants an old gospel singer. I said, it's going to be good the next few years, Becky. We're going to make a lot of money and have a lot of fun and meet a lot of people traveling everywhere. But if we'll stay here and be faithful to this church, I said, when we are old, ha-ha, here we are. When we're old, we're going to have a big family around us that loves us. And so we made that conscious decision. And that meant every time somebody wanted her to miss a Wednesday night service or a Sunday night service, she said, no, I can't do that. I can come on Friday or I can come on Monday. And they said, no, we got to have you on Sunday. She said, no, we pastor a church. That was a decision we made to do. And here we are, hundreds of years later, it seems like. Forty years later, here we are. Praise God. And we have got thousands of people that take care of us and serve us and love us. And we're still serving them. We look way down the road. It's called recompense of reward. Are you living your life for recompense of reward? You say, I can't do that. Yes, you can. When you understand that God is looking over your shoulder, when you understand that God is right beside you and you'll develop an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying, God will cause you to make the choices that will not only sustain you today, they will sustain you next week, five years from now, and 41 years from now, you'll be saying, praise God, I made the right choice. This is something that every Christian should emulate. All because he could see the invisible God. That was his all-conquering motivation. And so you can have people talk about hell, that won't motivate you. I found out a long time ago, you can only scare people for a short while. After a while, you can jump out and say boo in a mask. But after you do it about 10 times, they're no longer scared. And so pastors try to lead churches by scaring people all the time. That lasts for a little while. But the Bible said that John the Baptist, which was a fear motivator, he said, I must decrease because Jesus has come and he's going to increase. Love will beat fear as a motivation every time. I can promise you that. And when you get to realizing that God is your ever-present help, that he's standing right beside you, that invisible God, nobody else can see him, but you can see him. say, yes, I can. There he is. He walks with me. He talks with me. He never leaves me alone. He is invisible to you, but he's not to me. In 1674, Anton Van Leeuwenhoek looked at a drop of lake water through his homemade microscope. He made his own microscope, the first one that was ever made. And he put a drop of lake water under it, and boom, there's a whole world in that drop of water. It was an invisible world to everybody else, but Antoine saw that and he discovered an invisible world that no one else even knew existed. Ladies and gentlemen, when you become Holy Ghost filled, when you become aware of the Spirit of God, when you become spiritually minded instead of carnally minded, when you really begin to see that invisible God in everything you do, you will discover a world that other people don't even know exists and it will motivate you to do what other people are not doing. Praise God. It never crosses my mind to doubt the existence of God and His manifested Christ because I see the invisible God. I see His fingerprints all over my life. I hear his voice. I hear his footfall. I feel his breath on the nap of my neck. I witness his hand in my daily affairs. You see, I pray, not because somebody assigns me a prayer time. We don't have prayer times at Living Way Church where I pastor and everybody said, oh, you got to come together and pray. I think that you ought to be like the Apostle Paul. He said, I pray without ceasing. 
You say, I don't ride down the road with my wife. And she says, it's time to talk now. Oh, really? No, we just have a conversation. We talk. We don't have to assign people times to talk. You converse with those that you know are there. If you believe God is ever present, you won't have to be assigned a prayer time. You'll just talk to him. You'll be like the Apostle Paul. You will pray without ceasing. So I pray because I see the invisible God and I know he hears me when I pray and he talks back to me. I worship because I see the invisible God. You say, they have seminars for everything now. We've got to have worship seminars. That means you've got to teach people to worship. Prayer seminars, teach people to pray. We have soul winning seminars. Everything is a seminar because we want to make everything legalistic. And we want to teach people what they've got to do. Friend, you behave certain ways in front of your boss because he's your boss and he writes your paycheck. You don't have to have certain things done. You just know he's looking at you and so you're going to get busy because he's got your paycheck. When you realize that that invisible God that nobody else can see is ever present, it will motivate you to pray. You won't have to have somebody to ask you to praise God. You know, some people are motivated by what the preacher sees. It doesn't matter what the preacher sees. I can't heal you. I can't save you. I can't build you a mansion in heaven. It don't matter what I see. You don't want to be, you don't want to be motivated by the visible preacher. You want to be motivated by the invisible God. That God that sees you. And so praise God. I praise God, brother. I praise God in church. I praise God in church. But there's a lot more worship I do outside of church than I do in. That's what you need to really ask yourself. Do you pray more in church than you do out of church? Do you worship more in church than you do out of church? If you do, you've got a problem because your motivation is wrong. I worship more in my F-350 pickup truck than I do that big sanctuary that I gather with the people of God. I worship more at my ranch in my barn than I do in my sanctuary. I worship God more in my apartment where I stay than I do in the church. Why? Because I know that that God that people think is invisible is visible to me. I know he's always there. I know he hears every word. I know that every hallelujah tickles his ears. I, I know that every praise the Lord makes him thrill because he inhabits my praise. And so I worship because I see the invisible God. I come to the house of God because I see the invisible God. Well, the Bible said when two, one, two, three, when two or three people are gathered together in my name, I'm in their midst. Some of you can't see him, but he's here today. There's a man here that's got nail prints in his hands. There's a man here that's got a thorn, a crown on his head and he is my savior and he is my healer and he's in this world and he's in this building right now. Right now. Jesus Christ is here. Hallelujah. That's the reason why I come to the house of God. Hallelujah. I give because I can see the invisible God. I tithe, I give, I give to people, I give to strangers, I give to people at gas stations, I give to St. Jude's uh, thousands and thousands of dollars because I think it's one of the greatest things in the world. St. Jude, let me do a little commercial for them, and I'm not a Catholic and I'm not a doctor, but let me tell you what, 85% of the children that go to St. Jude's uh, come out of there cancer-free, they never charge a patient, they never charge a family, it's an amazing thing. So I give to that because I serve an invisible God that you can't see, but I can see him. And when I give to St. Jude's, he applauds, said, yes, sir, 
that boy, you're doing a good job. I give, I give, I give because I know that my God sees me when I give. You know, we've got a lot of people in church that worship like Christians, but they give like atheists. You need to fix that because God sees you and he sees what you give. I have endured because like Moses, like Moses, I see the invisible God. I refuse to be called the son of this world because I see him. I choose the people of God rather than the momentary sins for a season because I see the invisible God. I esteem the riches of Christ greater than the riches of this world because I see the invisible God. I have every expectation of forsaking this world because I see the invisible God. I don't feel, I don't fear Pharaoh or the government or the political correct culture because I see the invisible God. The apostle Paul was on that ship and the storm was great, but suddenly he said, don't abandon the ship because there stands by me this night the angel of God whose I am and whom I am served saying fear not Paul and ladies and gentlemen it might feel like you're in a storm but you need to have your eyes open the angel of the Lord is standing by you right now and it doesn't matter what hell you're going through the Lord is on your side can you give God a big praise hallelujah 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 I feel the Holy Ghost here. He's standing by your chair right now. He's saying, will thou be made whole? Will you be healed? Will you be saved? Will you be failed? Will you be delivered? Will you be totally set free? That's what God is saying to you now. Will you let me make a way where there is no way? He's an ever-present God. And I ask God to take the scales from your eyes. Hallelujah. Elisha and his servant was surrounded by Syrians. They were terribly outnumbered. But suddenly, Elisha said, God, do for me, for the servant what you've done for me. Let the scales fall from his eyes. And the scales came off of the eyes of the servant. He said, my Lord and my God. The hills are full of the chariots of the Lord and the horsemen of the Lord. He said, what does it matter how many the enemy is because God is greater. You might feel like you're surrounded. You've got a boss that's mean. You've got a family member that's hard to get along with. You've got a neighbor that's disgruntled. But friend, if the scales would fall from your eyes and you would see the Lord is on your side, it would not matter what's going on. You would know that ultimately God is going to give you the victory. Praise God. Praise God. God's in this room right now. It doesn't matter how tough it is. It doesn't matter how great the enemy is. It doesn't matter how severe the storm is. God is greater. God is greater. The church I pastor in San Antonio on the freeway, I originally bought about two acres there. We now have about 40 acres. Little by little, in the last 40 years, we've bought a lot of land around there. It's very expensive. And the neighbors weren't happy to see us. We bought that land at a time when uh, things were kind of bad. A lot of priests doing things that weren't good. Jim Baker was having problems when we developed in that church. Jimmy Swagger was having problems. And uh, Jim Jones was in the jungle drinking Kool-Aid. It was a bad time. (laughs) And so all of my neighbors were not spirit-filled Christians. And I saw their side of it. They thought we were a cult. Man, we had problems. One guy came out with a shotgun. And shooting over the heads of being police after service after service. And we were able to retain the love of God through it all. But we didn't need zoning to build a church. 
zoning didn't matter. We could build the church. But when I ran out of money and we needed to borrow money, the bank said, we can't loan you any money because that's a residential zone. Even though you're sitting on the freeway, you're going to have to change that to commercial for us to have valuable assets. So we went to the, the, to the city of Live Oak, which is right there in San Antonio. We're half a block out of San Antonio. That little town, we went there. And so the zoning turned us down. The reason they turned us down, there was a lady, and she had gone to every neighbor, every neighbor, not part of them. Every neighbor had signed, we don't want the zoning changed. And so we lost. So I appealed it from the zoning committee. I appealed it to the city council. And so the city council was not in favor of it. And the lady that had got that position, that petition and circulated it, she was there. And I had a lot of our church people there. And it was a real tense situation. And I could tell things were going badly. They were going against us. But you see, the Lord's on my side. I can see the Lord where other people can't see him. And the lady that had been so tough and she was so against our church, I saw the Lord. He reached over and he put his thumb right on top of her head. I could see that in the spirit. Now, nobody else could see that, but I could see that. And she rose to her feet. And the tears started streaming down her face. And she started literally crying out loud. She said, I don't know why I'm doing this. I'm the one that circulated the petition. But I've just had a change of heart. She said, and I remember her words exactly. She said, I think the reverend ought to have his church. And so I'm reversing and I'm asking that this city council pass this zoning ordinance and rezone that property. They voted and it was, it was three to three. Six people voting, three to three. It was a tie and the mayor had to vote and he voted in favor of the church. So we got our zoning changed. That's not quite the end of the story. The story was 15 minutes later, I'm out in the courtyard with my neighbor. And she says, that makes me so mad. I don't know why I did that. I don't want that church there. I don't know why I get up and cried and was emotional like that and changed my mind. She said, I'm going to change it back. And she went in. They said, it's too late now. It's already been rezoned. Well, the reason why it changed, why she changed, and I didn't have the heart to tell her, but I saw God. He put his thumb right on top of her head. I could see that nobody else could. Ladies and gentlemen, I see God ruling in my affairs. Would you stand on your feet right now? God's in this building right now. He's here right now. It doesn't matter what your need is. I see the invisible God. He's walking up and down these aisles. And you know what he's saying? He will ask the question that is about your greatest need. If you've got cancer, the question he's asking you is, would you be healed? If you're not saved, he's saying, would you be saved? If you're empty, he's saying, would you be filled? If you're bound, he's saying, would you be free? If you're broke, he's saying, would you have provision? vision. He's asking the question and if you will simply say yes to him, that God that is invisible to you will suddenly become visible and you will know beyond the shadow of a doubt that there is a living God. In 2016 the God that was is the God that is and he's in this room right now. Can you lift your hands and give God some praise? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. I feel the Holy Ghost in this room. I feel the Spirit of God here. There's somebody here that needs a miracle in your life. You need to say yes. And you say that by stepping out of your pew and coming to this altar right now and saying, here I am. Here I am, God. And I want to see you as you are in all of your power in the name of Jesus. If you're not saved, will you come? If you're bound, will you come right now to Jesus and be delivered? I don't care what that is. It doesn't matter what it is. You might be bound in poverty. You might be bound in pornography. It doesn't matter. If you're bound, would you come?
If you're sick, will you come and allow Jesus Christ to be your healer? If you've never had the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you don't know what you're missing. It's joy unspeakable and full of glory. It's power. It's joy. It's love. If you have a need in your life, don't let the adversary chain you to a chair. Break loose. Step out. Come to this altar right now and say, I want to see that invisible God. I want that same motivation that Moses had. I want to be able to make the right choice that's going to change my life for good in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. The Lord is here. The Lord is here. The Lord is talking to you. The Lord's not ignoring you. He knows you by name. He's talking to you about your need. He's talking to you about your need. He's talking to you about your need. If you have a need in your life, would you step out right now as they're singing and walk down there. We're going to ask all of our prayer partners to come, prayer ministers to come and help these people pray and meet whatever need they have. I'm going to try to join them and let the Spirit of God do what it wants to do in this building today. In the name of Jesus. Praise God. Brother Reed. And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.